0: Hey what's up everybody and welcome back to that triathlon show the podcast presented by scientifictraflon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 101. Before doing anything else I just want to quickly mention that the interview just released this Monday on the 24th of August in 2020 with professor John Hawley was uh, really one of my favorite interviews that I've done I think so I just want to encourage everybody to go and listen to that if you haven't already It is uh, really uh, almost a must listen, I would say, for anybody interested in, at least in the science of, of endurance sports. Before we get into the questions for today, a big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration. You can find them on precisionhydration.com and Precision Hydration make electrolyte products that uh, you can use to match your individual sweat sodium concentration because everybody loses uh, very different amounts of sodium in their sweat. Somebody might be losing less than 500 milligrams per liter of sweat and somebody else might be losing close to or even above 2000 milligrams per liter of sweat. So armed with the knowledge of how much sodium roughly you lose in your sweat which you can get by taking Precision Hydration's free online sweat test you can optimize your hydration and make sure that your intake of sodium matches your losses and you can get 15% off your order of electrolytes with the promo code show 15 on precisionhydration.com and thank you to Roca that you can find on Roca.com. Record are the world-leading manufacturers of wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses. They are the innovators behind technologies such as, such as the arm sub technology in wetsuits and trisuits. Uh, and uh, they also have really cool features such as an online vision test when you order prescription glasses or sunglasses. They're used by top athletes like Javier Gomez, Mario Mola, Lucy Charles Barclay and many many more of uh, the world's best of the best so uh, you can trust that their quality really is uh, top of class in any product category that they create products in. You can get 20% off your Roca products with a promo code that you can get on Roca.com forward slash tts. Now on to today's questions the first one is from Harry in the UK who writes uh, hi Michael. Uh, Apologies if you have answered this question before, but having recently listened to the episode on tips for a successful triathlon training camp, I don't think this point was covered. When is the best time of the year for a training camp, and how far out should it be from your A-race? Are there any advantages to having one early in the base season, and if so, what would be the focus of such a camp? For example, duration or intensity, question mark. With the current situation, it is hard to plan ahead for foreign travel. Is there any advice on setting up your own training camp at home? Really enjoy the podcast as always, and thanks for all the good advice in the past. All right. Thank you, Harry. That's a really good question. And for those listeners that haven't listened to the episode on training camps, that is episode 174, which I'll link to in this episode description. It's called Eight Tips for Having a Successful Triathlon Training Camp. And uh, just some of the things that I go into there is to the importance of knowing your objective for the camp, the importance of not killing yourself through the camp, uh, recovering after the camp, consistency around, including before and after the training camp. Uh, tips around for the actual training done during the camp and for the nutrition and hydration during the camp, as well as recovery during the camp. And finally, gear, equipment, packing, and preparation. So uh, those are some of the things, just in case you're interested and want to dig deeper into that topic. Uh, but uh, to answer your specific questions, Harry, there are a lot of different ways to go about when to do the training camp and uh, how to make it beneficial depending on when you place it. So uh, to answer first, tackle it from the direction or the perspective of how far out from your A-race it should be, uh, I would say that it could be as close as finishing three weeks before, even two weeks before the race, to be honest. And then you'd basically head right into taper uh, for the race after camp. And that reduced volume of the taper will also, of course, serve the double purpose of being your recovery period from the camp itself. So as a couple of examples, if you have a two-week training camp finishing three weeks before your A-race, then you could have one very easy recovery week after probably like a big two-week camp. So that would be almost like the easiest week of taper or at least the the second easiest week of taper. Then one week after that, so two weeks out from the race, would be uh, definitely a reduced volume compared to normal training because you're in taper and you're just two weeks out but it uh, would be definitely higher than that first week after the camp and uh, higher than the race week itself so doesn't have to be too much lower than your normal training volume in that middle week of the three-week taper if we call it that and then race week again would be a normal race week which of course would be significantly reduced Training volume, so you would have a pyramid shape of volume, uh, and in that t- taper period, if you have a camp finishing three weeks before, and then with that, that gives you enough recovery time that you can push the envelope quite quite a lot during that camp. I would say, uh, at least if you're an experienced athlete, then if you have a, a camp that uh, finishes two weeks before your race, maybe that's better to be just a one week or ten day camp because. You don't want to take the risk of pushing yourself too much, which could possibly happen with a two-week camp. Uh, so uh, that camp might is probably going to fall be your peak volume. Well, that would be the case in the former example as well. I would think but either way after the training camp you have two weeks to go make a sharp drop to maybe 60 to 70 percent of peak volume in that first week of taper and 40 to 60 percent of peak volume in the second week of taper which is race week this depends a bit on your normal volume of course but that would be an example let's say that during a training camp you train 20 hours then you could train perhaps 10 hours or 12 hours in the in the first week of taper and uh, maybe eight hours eight to ten hours in that second week of eight hours in the second week of taper 12 hours and eight hours would would seem reasonable i think with a 20-week training camp and that being your peak volume before the race just off the top of my head so that's those are some examples of how you could do camps uh, very close to the race actually and it would be beneficial but you could uh, also do the camp further out and uh, generally, I think it's great to have a camp in the period the last eight weeks before a key race, uh, if you are to have a camp. That is because that is the period when, again, you will be pushing the envelope a bit, and and you will be at your peak training load during that lead up to the race. So having the training camp where you can actually uh, put load on your body makes sense to do in that period rather than outside of that period. And I think one of the main differences here of having a camp in those last eight weeks before a race compared to having it much earlier in the season is that you can, if you probably you push the volume during the camp in particular you might not be doing a massive amount of intensity Uh, that's uh, not what what i would recommend anyway it would be more so increasing the volume and uh, to the extent that you can you can still recover from it and of course your recoverability while at the training camp where you basically just train eat and sleep uh, which is the dream right that's uh, the recoverability is going to be so much greater so so it allows you to push the volume and then because you're reasonably close to the race that acute bump in fitness that uh, that a concentrated dose of increased volume gives you you're going to be able to directly benefit from it in the race you have enough time to recover from the camp And adapt to the potent stimulus that the training camp was and uh, see the benefits from it but it's not so far uh, so far away from the race that those acute adaptations will have time to to pass before the race is done so that i would see is the benefit of having a a camp in those last eight eight weeks before the race and now if you have the camp for example four months before the race Uh, you will still benefit don't get me wrong it will make you fitter uh, again after you recovered from it and absorbed the load and uh, this increase in fitness will hopefully allow you to train at a higher level than before and by that i mean that you will be able to tolerates slightly higher volume or your absolute intensities in workouts go up even if your relative intensity doesn't so maybe you increased your power on the bike by 10 watts across the board and the running pace is by five seconds per kilometer across the board whatever it may be you're doing more work in your training and that improved work capacity might allow you to get more out of those last four months of training than you would have otherwise so you're you're still benefiting from the bump in fitness it is a clear benefit but it is still an indirect one and the caveat to that indirect benefit is that if you for some reason do not train anywhere near your training capacity then Increased capacity to train won't do you much good because you're not really using it. So then the camp can actually be a bit of a waste because the acute improvements are probably gone by the time of a race. And uh, those long-term improvements by increasing fitness and then training at the new fitness level uh, weren't really benefited from either. So this is where it's important to have a good understanding of what you're trying to accomplish in training, have a big macro perspective of your training and structure your training accordingly. So again, keeping on with discussing this example of having a training camp earlier in the season, uh, it it kind of answers the question that you have about doing a training camp during base season as well. Because if you are doing a camp, as I said in the example four months before, that really is your base season. It's uh, far enough uh, away from the race that for all intents and purposes, it is. And uh, it can be highly beneficial. And uh, we see it in triathlon and in cycling and many other sports squads and teams gather for winter camps that might be two or four weeks long or two months long and they do that soon after the athletes are getting back from their off season early in the winter or even uh, even late autumn depending on what the season structure is for the particular sport we're discussing but uh, either way at that point they have had some time off they have probably lost a lot of fitness compared to their peak fitness And after the off-season, they aren't ready to train at a high level yet. Their work capacity is diminished. Uh, So what the camp does is it serves to build that work capacity and serves as a springboard for the entire season. Because after the camp and after recovering from it, uh, the athletes will be able to train much more, much harder, and this works great because obviously these athletes have coaches or even entire teams in some uh, in some situations that help out help help map out their season and they help figure out how they should build upon that fitness bump and uh, carry it into the season and the races. So that's a bit about the benefits and how to benefit from a base training camp. So to say, or a camp generally just earlier in the year. My personal recommendation and uh, opinion as it pertains to duration and intensity is just like you suggest, duration trumps intensity in particular in, in those ba- early season camps based or any camp that are farther out from the races than eight, maybe 10 weeks. So of course, uh, I would say that don't completely ignore intensity. Uh, I don't think that you should do that in any time of year, really but I would not recommend doing any killer workouts, but rather do intensity in more of a snacking format so that your uh, perceived effort in any individual workout isn't too high. So maybe you can do one round or two rounds of 30 seconds on 30 seconds off one day when normally in a proper workout you would do four rounds of that and maybe you do a trail run with some tempo effort climbing in on the next day and uh, that's all okay you're getting some moderate intensity in there but the overall workload doesn't really get out of hand So of course, again, a coach is really, really valuable for helping map this out because it's uh, quite easy during training camps to to mess up and do too much workload in general, whether it's volume or intensity. But in contrast, if you do a training camp during that those last eight weeks before the race, then of course, that is the time when you will be doing a certain amount of intensity and race specificity as well and the training camp doesn't change that you need to carry that structure into the training camp so when this is the case you will to some extent be following the same program you would have followed anyway but probably with uh, a little bit of a higher volume than you could have done while at home and having work and errands to run and so on But definitely not so high volume that the key race specific and intense workouts suffer that still needs to be the the driver of performance in that period to make sure that you can nail your key workouts really so this kind of training camp will have a higher volume than a normal training week uh, at home this time of year this time of season would have but it will probably have a lower volume than your typical Base season training camp week would would have to put it a bit in in context to allow you to stay sharp and and really be able to perform when it matters in those key workouts as for setting up your camp at home which is uh, another part of your question i think that it is absolutely doable it is absolutely beneficial or it can be beneficial when done right it can be as beneficial potentially as a training camp abroad or just at a whatever triathlon mecca you're planning on going to and of course as you say in these times it might be the only uh, opportunity that you have of doing a training camp so so if you want to still have some sort of training camp or you want to use the opportunity of maybe uh, maybe having some vacation but not having anywhere to go because travel is restricted right now then that could be a good option The main consideration that I see if you choose to do this is to set up your home-based camp in such a way that you can recover the same way with the same uh, efficacy that you would have if you're abroad at some hotel or some house that you're renting or whatever it is. And if you can't do that, then your training load has to come down accordingly. You can't do, if you're planning on doing a 25-hour training week, during camp but you were planning on napping after every workout and having tons of food around but uh, now you're trying to transition that week to home but you're going to have to run tons of errands and you don't have time for a single nap and you can only sleep seven hours per night then maybe you need to bring down your your volume because your the environment is not going to be the same as you had originally planned but if you can set up your recovery your nutrition the same way as you were going to do abroad then you can absolutely do the same thing at home and that would that would be my recommendation to strive for that to make sure that you have time to eat sleep rest and not be running around doing tons of errands between sessions because it's even going to add up to more mental stress and uh, it's all going to contribute to maybe being too much stress when you when you have other things going on than training eating sleeping and resting and uh, I guess it goes without saying but a week when you're working isn't really ideal for a home-based training camp Uh, so try to make it a vacation week although saying that uh, I'm not alone in this situation uh, working for myself and not uh, being employed so uh, I don't really have vacations in the same way as some people do and I am actually going to have a training camp fairly soon not home-based but portugal-based and actually just half an hour outside of lisbon so very close to home but uh, either way uh, i'm going to have to do some work but my plan is to do as much work as possible before the camp to have to do just the main things that i have to do every day like uh, checking in on athletes and uh, their workouts and things like that but have all podcast episodes prepared and so on things that that i don't have to do that i can do in advance basically all such things i will do in advance so that i have only a minimum amount of work to do when at camp and can focus most of the time there on on just recovering and eating and sleeping uh, around the training so uh, yeah if you are in a similar situation then Plan ahead and do work ahead so that you don't get into a situation where you're doing a ton of work uh, during your training camp and other than that i don't really have much else to add for a home-based camp the same things apply around training structure and such uh, i would actually say that uh, you can make the home-based training camp really 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 effective and uh, if you have the rest and recovery and if that is all set and you nail that and you have all the facilities and terrain that you want and need around your home environment uh, then really you can have a better training camp at home than you could abroad potentially because uh not having to spend time and energy traveling so this may reduce some stress and also just a familiar environment may allow for more optimized execution of training than an unfamiliar environment so it can actually be a really really good thing to try and i think it's probably an an underused tool in athletes and coaches toolbox to have home-based training camps like this But uh, that's mostly it for this question, I believe. Uh, Check out episode 174 for more details on training camps. And uh, maybe next year, if and when travel returns to something closer to normality, I'll do an updated episode on camps because it's uh, absolutely an important uh, topic worth revisiting. So I hope this helps, Harry, and thanks for your question. The next question is from Todd in uh, South Korea, who writes... I have a beginner question. I foam roll before bed. Is this the best time for foam rolling or should it be directly after working out or the next morning when I wake up? My question is basically, when is the most effective time to foam roll? All right, thank you, Todd, for your question. So here too, I actually have an in-depth episode uh, that uh, tackles the topic of foam rolling. It's an interview with Professor David Bain, who is uh, a world-leading researcher on this topic, and we get into the nitty gritty details of all the science on foam rolling. So I recommend you listen to that for further information. It's episode 141 that I'll link to in the episode description. But to summarize here and answer your question, the main points that Professor Baim makes are to foam roll before workouts in order to increase range of motion, which can be really good for the acute performance in that workout. After hard workouts uh, such as uh, strength training workouts and perhaps bike and run workouts with a lot of intensity or with a lot of hills which might make the likelihood of uh, muscle soreness greater is also a good time to foam roll because it uh, could uh, prevent or reduce muscle soreness. However foam rolling by itself as a chronic treatment modality probably doesn't do much at least not from what we know from research. So what you should do is probably to consider foam rolling uh, ideally directly before your workout or maybe just in the morning rather than in the evening then you might carry some effect into the workout there's no science to back that up really but that's me speculating but uh, the thing is that there won't be you won't see a chronic change in range of motion from foam rolling from what we know from research And uh, whether there are any other performance benefits of foam rolling is uh, unclear. It hasn't been investigated. So if you are going to foam roll, then do it before workouts and after certain hard workouts to prevent muscle soreness. That would be the general advice. However, let's not forget that at the end of the day, everybody is an experiment of n equals one. And uh, if you do temporarily stop foam rolling at night, and then you start to feel stiff or immobile or even seeing performance decrements in your workouts then don't hesitate to bring the foam rolling back in uh, the way you have been doing it at night because what works for you works for you after all Uh, so uh, i think that it's important to keep an open mind there but the best practices the the evidence points to the most efficient time to foam roll would be before the workouts and after those hard Uh, muscle soreness inducing workouts so keep those as the times that you should foam roll and when you foam roll just quickly uh, you should do perhaps 30 to 60 seconds per muscle group and uh, repeat maybe two or three times through uh, with each muscle group and uh, during those 30 to 60 seconds the practical advice is to simply uh, do passes of one second up the muscle and one second down the muscle so imagine you're you foam rolling your quads. You just roll for one second up and one second down, and you do that for thirty to sixty seconds. Repeat two or three times. That's the uh, the recommended protocol. And uh, that's it for this week. I had another question prepared actually about supplements, but I say I'll save that for next week because we're uh, running a bit short on time. That was a long uh, answer, so it will take some time, and uh, I will answer that next week instead. Keep sending in questions to michael at and it's michael with a k. You can find this Q&A and all previous Q&As on scientifictriathlon.com and that's also where you can find information about training plans and coaching services. If you want to improve your triathlon performances then I recommend that you consider coaching in particular or training plans is coaching is not possible for you for whatever reason. As mentioned already, if you missed Monday's episode with Professor John Hawley, I highly, highly encourage you to go back and listen to that. I was really excited about that interview. I'm really happy with how it turned out and all the information that uh, that Professor Hawley shared. So uh, yeah, super psyched about that still. And tune in again on Monday to hear from Drs. Kush Joshi and Joel McKay, where we'll talk about blood testing and biomarkers in endurance athletes. So uh, another really interesting topic and one that we haven't really covered before uh, directly on the podcast so that will be a really interesting one please subscribe and that will make sure that you don't miss an episode and also if you are a big fan of the podcast and have been listening for a while a rating and a review would be absolutely amazing big thanks uh, to johan in sweden and nico quill in the us for rating and reviewing last week Uh, thank you so much for that and thank you to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Go and take their free online sweat test to get a personalized hydration strategy for your next race and get 15% off your order of electrolytes with the promo code thattraflonshow15. And big thanks to Roca that you can find on Roca.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear and prescription glasses and sunglasses and get 20% off your order with the promo code that you can find on roca.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.